0: Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoy this message from our Sunday sermon series, Bridge. We see the structure of a bridge as a metaphor that describes various foundational key points we can learn from to strengthen our faith, as well as increase the vision for the call of God in our lives. Also, we'd love to hear how God is bridging your faith. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoyed this message. this message on bridge and I want to continue this message and really as we talked about bridge this past week we were talking about what a bridge actually is and we talked about a bridge is really a, a structure that is built over a river or or a span of of some, or an obstacle that it spans over and so to be able to go over to the next and bring connection uh, a bridge also provides connection between people, and contact and transition between people. You could play softly if you wanted to, or have somebody do, or I don't care. Even if Omar wants to come up, it's okay. you know, you, you kind of threw me off. I was in the spirit already with the music. <laughs> I was already feeling it, man. I, I may just I just may go away from my message as we as we go here. Uh, but uh, but the Scripture talks about several different ways that you and I can be a bridge from one person to another, from one place to another. I was thinking about the San Francisco Bridge. And the San Francisco Bridge is the second largest uh, bridge, suspension bridge in the United States. There's another one in New York. But I was reading about the Golden State Bridge or the Golden Gate Bridge, because I was, I've been there a number of times. It's, it's one and a half miles long, and it took four years to build. And it was finished in 1937. So think about that next time you're on that bridge. They built that bridge a long time ago. But they say that the two steel strands that are used uh, are 80,000 miles long, enough to encircle the equator three times, And each will support 200 million pounds. The towers are over 746 feet high, and contain enough concrete to construct a five-foot-wide sidewalk between New York and San Francisco. To withstand the current tides and the winds that reach up to 100 miles an hour, it has been had the built-in sway of 27 feet. So. Next time it's windy, you can, you can imagine what happens. But I began to read about this bridge and, and all of these aspects to it, and really I began to think about the foundation of this bridge. What, what brings about this big bridge that you can see on the outside? There has to be a foundation that is so vital to that bridge. Of course, foundations are, are very important, even in a house or whether it's a building A foundation is one of the most important things because that's what holds the load. That's what's able to carry the load. The foundation is able to distribute the load on the bridge and bring stability. And when, you know, settlement, it's there there to hold up that bridge. And I believe in Christianity. There's a foundation. How many know our foundation is Christ Jesus? The foundation is the Lord this morning. And so I want to read you a scripture before I even go on. In Colossians 2, 7, because the Bible says foundation is to be part of our roots. We're to be rooted in Christ. And it says this here out of Colossians 2, 7. Sink your roots in him and build on him. Talking about Christ. Be strengthened by the faith that you were taught. And overflow with thanksgiving, overflow with gratitude. So I want to pray today as we get into this message here for a few minutes. And God would help us today. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for your presence. We thank you, God, for what you're doing in this house. And Lord, you you just open our hearts today, remove every distraction. God, we sense the presence of the Holy Spirit in this building. And Lord, we pray that you're touching lives right now. God, I pray for the anointing as I declare the word of God and that your people would hear the voice behind the voice. In Jesus' name, and the people said, amen. amen. So the Bible says that our spiritual root or our foundation is to be built on him, but the scripture says that we're to overflow with thanksgiving. In other words, a characteristic of someone whose life is built on Christ, there is a continuous gratitude that overflows in their life. I was sharing with the conference body there, I think on Thursday night, that I, I, I live out of a place of gratefulness. I'm grateful for what God's done. The day I become ungrateful is the day that it becomes a very dangerous time for my life. We have to be grateful continually. Can you say amen? We have to live out of a grateful heart. We got a lot to be grateful for. That is the foundation of who we are. And what does gratefulness mean? It means to thank God, to appreciate, to recognize the source. I'm not just talking about being grateful. I'm talking about radical gratefulness this morning. Being a little radical about your gratefulness. And even Paul the Apostle says something here. In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, I want you to read this with me. It says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, I want to break that down for you because it says, give thanks in all circumstances. It doesn't say thank God in, for all circumstances. It says in all circumstances. We're not to thank God for the terrible things that happen in life. Am I right? We're not thanking God for people getting kidnapped. We're not, you know, thanking God for people getting killed. But the Bible says thank God in circumstance. In other words, this morning, there are times in life when the circumstances are not perfect, but we still thank God because he's still good, because he's still powerful despite the circumstances. (laughs) I believe that in any circumstance, God can move. I believe that in any circumstance, there is a supernatural move of God. And so the Bible is not saying that thank God for all circumstances. It says to thank God in all circumstances. Because the reality is this. Uh, the Bible tells us uh, that uh, as, uh, let God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, the will of God is what we're praying to come to earth. But how many know most of the time God's will not being done on earth? Because we're getting in the way. And so most of God's will is not getting done because a lot of stuff that we do, mistakes that we make. And so we're praying, God, bring heaven down. Let your will be done. And in the midst of that, God, we know that no matter what the circumstances are, you're still good. I said God is still good. I've said in so many ways, God is large and in charge. No matter what's going on in your life, I want you to know that God is still God and he's still in control and that we can still thank God even if the circumstances are not perfect, even if all around us doesn't seem to be just right, we can say, God, you're still good. You're still in control. We know, God, that you can turn things around because how many understand today that when we give thanks to God, we are bringing honor to God. We're saying, God, we honor you. We appreciate who you are. The day we stop giving honor to God is the day we're we're headed in the wrong direction. And there's so many things today. If you look at your life and if you look at your circumstances, as bad as you think they are sometimes, there's something good in it despite that. Look at what the Bible says in Psalm chapter 50, verse 23. But but giving thanks is a sacrifice that truly honors me. If you keep my path, if you keep to my path, I will reveal to you the salvation of God. So what he's saying is this sacrifice of honor, this sacrifice of thanks, is really saying, God, we recognize that you're the source of everything that we have. We recognize, God, there's nothing that we've done with our own hand, and God, that we thank you, and this brings honor to God. And I believe today, as we look at our lives this morning, man, we need to give more honor to God, because we live in a very ungrateful society. How many can say amen to that? I'm just being honest. We live in an ungrateful society. There was a a consultant that had a bunch of college kids, uh, and he began to gather them together. He he said, you know what they're saying about your generation? It starts with an E. And a lot of them said, exceptional, exciting, experts. He said, no, entitlement. This emerging generation. Now, I want to say to you, it's not entirely your fault. A lot of it has to do with your parents. Because they they gave you too much, and because they didn't give you their time, so they just thought, well, I'll just give you more things, and that'll satisfy you. That's why we got 12-year-olds that, you know, they, they claim child abuse if they don't have the latest iPhone, right? It's child abuse. You didn't give me the latest iPhone. I need the latest iPhone. I can't, you know, I can't function. Everybody else has. That's not child abuse. Having a phone is a privilege. It's not a right. It's not an entitlement. My kids, were, my kids were growing up, there saying, God, I mean, uh, they were saying, Dad, I need a phone. I go, you don't need a phone. Yeah, everybody else is, so what? You don't need a phone. I don't owe you a phone. You got kids today Said, Dad, buy me a car. And I go, well, why? Because you're the parent. No, no, you're the son. You work hard for that car, man. You, 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 you're not entitled to anything. You're not entitled to anything. You have to earn some things in life. And if we're not careful, if we're working out of a spirit of entitlement, then we're never going to give thanks to God. We're never going to have what we call an attitude of gratitude. And all of us this morning, we need to have an attitude of gratitude. Today, you don't earn the trophy. Everybody gets the trophy. Man, you're in last place. Oh, Johnny, here's the trophy. If you're in last place, you get a boo, boo. You didn't make it. The way life is, man. Everybody didn't get a trophy. You have to earn the trophy. I was telling the conference that sometimes I didn't even make the team. That's just the way it works. You ever go around? They're picking the team, and you know you're not getting picked. When they go, that was me. I'm not getting picked now, unless I had a friend like, "Hey, you owe me, man. I need to get on that team." I don't even know where that came from. So here, here's what I I, I want to share this with you. And then we're going to move on here. Out of Luke 17, Jesus is traveling in Jerusalem. The Bible says Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And he's going into the village. Ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So here are these ten lepers. And if, uh, if if you don't know anything about leprosy, especially in ancient times, with a very painful disease. Your, your body had all kinds of sores that they oozed all over. It was hard for them to sleep on one side of their body because of the, because of the sores. They, they, they lived in constant pain. And If you know anything about them, the Bible said that they had to keep their distance from people. The, the Levitical law required them to shout out to others like a warning. Stay away from me. I'm unclean. So you can imagine the loneliness that these lepers had. No one hugged them. There was no intimacy. They're away from everyone. So it was a very lonely life. They hear about someone by the name of Jesus that is healing people. And the scripture says they begin to shout out. Man, they could keep their distance, but you couldn't keep them shut up, man. They had to, they had to shout. They were shouting. Couldn't keep them quiet. And so they're shouting out from a distance. And the Bible said that Jesus turned to them as they lifted up their voice. And when he saw them in verse 14, he said, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. So can you imagine they're going toward the priest? Now, they were were required to go to a priest only if they already were cleansed. Yet the Bible says they weren't yet. But in faith, they obeyed the word of God. See what happens when you obey the word of God? You'll get a healing in your life. And so as they're walking toward the priest, the Bible says they get healed and they get cleansed. And the Bible said that Jesus is astonished because the scripture says only one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. And he was a Samaritan, he wasn't even Jewish. And Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Didn't I heal all of them? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Here's what grieves the heart of God is when people are ungrateful. He's really surprised. He goes, Didn't I heal 10? Why is there only one coming? I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the other nine. I want to be that one. I want to be the one that thanked God. I want to be the one that showed gratitude. Because the Bible says he threw himself at the feet of Jesus. He shouted with a loud voice. And what did he do? He began to thank God. He was thankful for the miracle. He was thankful for the healing. Everything that God's done for you today or everything that you have is because of God. Don't forget who blessed you. We live in a world today people say, I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. I've done it all on my own. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, 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 I've got the brain. I've got the know-how. know-how. I've got all this. Who gave you that brain? Who gave you the eyes? Who gave you the know-how? God did. He's the one that helped you. That's why you can do it. I'll read you this story, the story of two, two friends who bumped into each other on the street one day. And one of them looked really sad, almost on the verge of tears. And a friend asked him, what has the world done to you, my old friend? The sad fellow said, well, let me tell you, three weeks ago, my great aunt, whom I hardly even knew, passed away. And I inherited $100 million. Wow, that sounds pretty good. He goes, yes, but two weeks ago, a cousin I didn't even know left me $85,000. He said, man, that sounds great. And he goes, and last week, an uncle died and left me $40,000. The guy was confused. He said, then why are you so gloomy? He said, this week, nothing. You see, you see, God's only good by what he's doing today. You forget what he's done in the past. Are you listening to me? You forget how you got there. It's like they say about preachers, you're only good, as good as your last sermon. What about last week and the week before that? Sometimes that's the way we are with God. God, you're only as good as your last blessing and your last miracle. But you forgot all the things that God had done for you in the past that got you here, amen, that God blessed you with. See, this guy is so ungrateful, all those things, and he goes, this week, nothing. Friend, we got we to gotta really get our hearts right with God when it comes to that. Jesus told that one guy, he "The arise, go your way. Luke 17, 19, your faith has made you well. The great thing about that miracle is not only did he get healed physically, but there was a spiritual healing because the Bible says your faith has made you well. I believe at that place, he put his faith and trust in Christ, not only healed his body, but it healed his soul. Can you say Amen. And I think that is the greatest thing in life is that God could not only heal our body, but heal our soul. So I'll give you a couple of things, and I'm going to close in just a few moments. The reason why a lot of us are not grateful many times is we forget how much we really have. They call it, what do they call it? Affluent, right? Affluent is when you have wealth, you possess a lot. And I was reading this story about Charles Barkley, the I well, know if you know Charles Barkley, the former basketball star way back, I don't remember, back in the 90s, I guess. And his mother was upset at him, he said, because uh, Charles had voted for George Bush as president. And she said, Charles, George Bush is the rich people's president. And Charles Barkley, Barkley said, Mom, we are the rich people. <laughs> and I want to say to you, we're more rich than you even understand. We have a lot more than we could really comprehend. I want to be honest with you. I'm going to read you this quote. It said If you woke up this morning with more health than illness, you are more blessed than the million people who did not survive this week. If you have never experienced the danger of battle, the loneliness of imprisonment, the agony of torture, or the pains of starvation, you are ahead of 500 million people in the world. If you can attend a church meeting without fear or harassment, arrest or torture or death, you are more blessed than 3 billion people in the world. If you have food in your refrigerator, clothes on your back, a roof over your head, and a place to sleep, you are richer than more than 75% of the world. If you have money in the bank, And in your wallet right now and spare change in a dish or in an ashtray, you are among the top 8% wealthiest people in the world. You are more rich than you understand. You have a lot more than you realize. And we ought to have an attitude of gratitude. I said we ought to have an attitude of gratitude this morning. There's so much to thank God for. But so many times, if we're not careful, we complain. Let's be honest. We come to church, somebody's in our chair. That's not your chair, but you say it is. That's, somebody's sitting in my chair. Somebody took my par- parking spot. The music's too loud. The lights are too bright. It's too cold in here. Am I right? I mean, we complain. We complain. You know, somebody takes more than five minutes at McDonald's. Man, you're complaining. You're upset. You're, you're going Ballistic. Why? Because, you know, we we, we just have it in us for some reason. We complain a lot about a lot of things. We ought to be more thankful. Can you say amen? I'm going to read you this last story. I thought it was kind of, I think I've read it before, but I'll read it to you again. A man goes to his rabbi and he begins to complain. He said, life is unbearable. There are nine of us living in one room. What can we do? The rabbi answers, take your goat into the room with you. The man is in disbelief. Take my goat? And he said, yes. Do as I say and come back in a week. A week later, the man comes back looking more distraught than the week before. He says, we cannot stand it. The goat is filthy. He eats everything. The rabbi kind of nods. and said, so go home and let the goat out and come back in a week. The man comes back and he's radiant. He returns to the rabbi. Life is so beautiful. We enjoy every minute of it now. There is no goat. And there are only nine of us living there. (laughs) The moral of the story is nothing changed. Everything was the same. What changed was his perspective. Sometimes things are not as easy as adding and removing a goat from a living quarters. Sometimes the shift from complaint to appreciation is difficult. But if you make an effort to appreciate and you change your perspective, everything can change in your life. We got to get a different perspective today. We got to be more thankful even if your situation isn't perfect. Can you say amen? Even if your circumstances ain't quite right, I said, we got something to thank God about. We have some gratitude, an attitude of gratitude today. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.